0: I don't remember how to
1: play it. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Hawaii Life's ProCast. My name is Matt Beal. I am the guest host for this special workshop-related edition of the ProCast. And here we go. I want to start this... uh, I've been very, I've been very jealous of Katie's uh, Simon Sinek quotes that she's starting. So I think I've got a couple of quotes here that are from absolute old school advertising legends. And when I introduce our guest, hopefully you'll understand why. But the first one is from David Ogilvy, who's been known as the you know, father of advertising. And it goes like this: If you have all the research, all the ground rules, all the directives, all the data it doesn't mean the ad is written. Then you've got to close the door and write something. That is the moment of truth which we are all, we all try to postpone as long as possible. So that's the first one, the second one's from Rosser Reeves who's probably one of the legends of television advertising and he says it's as difficult to become a good copywriter as it is to become a good brain surgeon. Mm. So that's where I'm starting off. That's those are that's the light introduction. So for those of you that don't know, uh this guest is probably gonna be really upset with my intro of him, but I I would I would put him as among the most creative people, certainly in my world, but definitely in the real estate industry. Uh and and I say that very, very literally and I I have some context for creativity. So without further ado, uh Mark Davison from Thousand Watt. Aloha Mark. Hey. Hey,
0: Amen. Thank you. Hi. I can't so, get upset um, with you ever. You can't what? I can't get upset with you. Yeah, I'm not capable of being upset at you. <laughs>
1: Good. So you you alluded to the your the name change from what started as Thousand Watt Consulting to Thousand Watt. What? How did that come about? What's the significance there?
0: Um, we start. Yeah. that's, Good question. We started Ask Thousand Watt Consulting because at the time of inception, um, while we endeavored to be a sort of a full-on creative agency, I wasn't really sure. And and Another was Brian, um, my my partner in crime, uh, at the start of this. We weren't sure if real estate really understood what a creative agency was, but real estate understood consulting. So, in a grand attempt at marketing, and it was just trying to be as clear as we could, even within you know our identity and our naming, we used the word consulting, even though like we're not consultants, we never were consultants. Certainly, our image of consultants are very different than the image that we have of what we do. But it took I don't know five six years for us to kind of establish at least somewhat of a reputation as being creative people that we felt like we could drop the consultant category um and just fly under the you know the banner of our you know brand name a lot.
1: And do you think the the world of perception has changed is the industry more available for understanding what a creative agency does or have you just built not just but have you built a brand that right. where people, you know, your people get it, and you've got work, and people are being referred to you.
0: Um, well, it's like two two questions there. Um, I I'd, I'd like to think that we're continuing on the path of trying to build sort of a brand in real estate known for something. Um, I don't think we're we're there yet. People know the name, um, and that's good. That's not quite branding though. Uh, that's that's name recognition and that's good. That's on the pathway. I think that for the greater part of the industry, like they know they need creative, um, they need creative things. They need words, they need designs, but I'm not sure that like the term creative agency is like on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, I don't know that brokers go, you know, we need to hire a creative agency. You know, but I think they think in terms of you know we need a consultant to help us, so we need we need marketing um and so by dropping consulting, we hopefully kind of move away from the consultant category, so we're not thought of in that world anymore um, and you know whatever words um, the audience or the world out there thinks of us or uses for us is in my mind or in our mind, much better than consulting. So if they think of us as a marketing company or a branding agency or a creative, that's all good. It's all a lot closer to what we're trying to be and do.
1: So what is the, like, I mean, for those that don't know, how do you, how do you define what you do? What is, what do you do?
0: Um, it's good timing because we're in the middle of trying to do that for ourselves again. Like after we're going into our 10th year and we're, continuing to try and sculpt th- that perfect definition um but i think you know the easy answer is you know we're a marketing company so mm-hmm. marketing is inbound and outbound communication so inbound is research um which is always critical and i think that's sort of a um a lost story in real estate um real estate tends to generally speaking because that doesn't include everybody but generally real estate reacts to a situation and just tries to create an ad or a message around the reaction um we need a lead so let's just put a you know a call to action on a piece of marketing and that's marketing Mm. um we tend to think a little bit differently it's like okay well you need lead but what kind of lead like who do you want to be your lead and let's not say everybody because You don't work with everybody. So let's define who those people are and let's get to understand them a little bit more. You know, we'll make some tick. It's really good advertising. And Ogilvy, you know, that quote is great. Ogilvy talks about the moment of truth. It's really like the moment of dread. Because, (laughs) you know, right? It's it's dreadful for anybody at the moment when, okay, I've got all of the things figured out in my head on what I need to do. Now I need to boil it down to like, one action or one sentence or one piece of copy that sums it all up. It's, it's remarkably hard to nail it. Um, But it's always a, yeah. Well, I was going to say, do you, do you sort of
1: struggle with people's perception of quality around that kind of correspondence? Because what I mean by that is that uh, often, so there's sort of, for me, there's like two camps. There's, it's difficult to get people to communicate often, but then, then there's the camp of like, and I'm speaking specifically for, you know, um, real estate brokers and agents. Then there's the camp of when they do communicate, they often think what they're writing or what they're saying is great. And it just isn't. And yeah. And then it's almost like the world of quality of, of having some scale of quality or some perception of quality isn't, it's not really happening. And I, I'm not just speaking really for Hawaii life. I mean, I, I see this really across the board. I mean, I certainly see it with other people. I mean, there are, there's, some, there's some stuff out there that, frankly, it's just, it's like embarrassing to even be in the same profession with. And it's just painful to look at or read. And I think they think it's great. And so I don't know where the, where my question is in this, but I guess it's like, do you... I, I do. How do you handle it? I know that? where you're going. I mean, how, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you convey to a prospect or a client, like, yeah, okay, we got it, you wrote this, but it's really bad, you know? Or or <laughs> this is a really bad idea. or.
0: Oh, so that's a better... That's sort of a better sort of classification of it because th- there's been a lot of really bad, tacky, cheesy stuff that you or I would never write, no good writer would ever write technically, but it actually worked. Um, and but like what, what worked, what did it actually do? And I think that there's sometimes a confusion between, you know, exposure and people talking about something or people inquiring about something versus it actually being effectively penetrating somebody's perception of something. So they get such clarity around it that they become a much better leader, a much better candidate for your business. Cause like you mentioned things that you've seen and we've seen them. In fact, there's been some articles written on some really bad marketing that got a ton of exposure. If exposure is what you're after, um, you know, there's one direction to take, yeah. but you yeah. know, there's like, so, you know, here's the thing, Matt, and, and maybe this goes back to like, just where we kind of fit in. When you think about great work in general, just great works, um, you you and I both have a passion for music. So, you know, music is a great analogy for great works. Um, in that profession or in construction, you know, building buildings, in art, uh, photography, Rarely is ever anything like singular that comes to greatness. There is always some kind of a team. You know, there's a recording artist and the producer and engineer. There's the architect and the builder and and the construction workers. There's always a group of people who bounce off each other and, and vet ideas to help create something called great. Um, totally. Where where an agent right where an agency like ours comes into play is usually you know a collaborative environment with a marketing department so that they're not you know creating inside of you know a bunker um, right and then there's also or just their like, own
1: their own firm's sort of echo chamber of you know because true. the people that they're collaborating with are are largely the salespeople who often just don't have these distinctions. I mean, I'm the first to say that, you know, had I not met Winston, I don't think I would have ever, Winston's our creative director, I don't think I would have ever had even begun to sort of pull the thread of of understanding what quality creative work is like or what quality copy is like or, you know, why a certain typeface, you know, would really matter. I mean, I was a mess of a – I was a, a great salesperson and a good small-time sort of developer, and I – you know, I could sell stuff and I could coach people, but I had zero, I mean, absolutely zero sense of, of quality copy or design. Uh, and, and, you know, and I thought that what's worse is that I thought I did. Right. And so not only did I have no taste, I, I thought I did, I thought I knew it all and like knew what worked, you know, because it was like, that sort of aggressive kind of like I'll make the decision, and this is what I think people like, yeah. and like you know, <laughs> and and I can imagine what a pain in the ass it would be to work with someone like me at that time, because you know anyone that has a clue about the creative work or design or the ability to implement, you know, or, or especially build brand. I mean, I always tell the story that there were there were so many decisions that were made when you know, Winston built the brand for. Comor Properties, which was Neil Norman's firm that we've since acquired. right. right. And that's, I, I basically, you know, worked there when Neil started the firm. I was an agent in the firm and it wasn't mine. And even though I had been, a, you know, in an authority position in a previous company, I was just like kind of along for the ride. And I would, you know, Neil's very collaborative and very always wants input and trusted Winston, you know, just, he put Winston on a very high pedestal, as he should have been. And I was the one saying, that's a horrible idea. You should never do that. That will never work. And that's fine. It's too dark and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And, of course, I was overruled. And I watched the success of these campaigns and the brand that it built and how sticky it got and how it did actually create a a brand in a very literally interactive sense. When I say interactive, I mean, like, the brand had qualities that were given to it completely involuntarily by the consumers around it, right? It wasn't something that they they declared. They didn't call properties and go out and say, we are blah, blah, blah. The consumers started saying, oh, it you know, has this vibe and here's what it's like. And then they got to interact with that and then build on that and parlay. And, I mean, and in a large way, that's exactly what Hawaii Life has done. But if I hadn't had that distinction of like, okay, shut up, learn. This is how you start, you know, literally slowly building on the creative process and the the world of taste and, and brand building, I would have never had, we would have never had the success that we've had. I mean, so you're absolutely right about the team component and the, the, you know, sort of takes more than one person or an echo chamber. It's so true.
0: There's a certain chemistry or role that a player, that players within a team need to have. And within the creative process, I guess I can boil it down to this. There's a particular discipline that I, I, I argue and I believe that everybody is creative. Everybody, when people say, oh, I'm not a creative, I, I beg to differ because throughout the day there are decisions that they're making about something that requires some aspect of creativity. Um, so, so just removing that from the conversation in a minute, there's a particular discipline by which people who work inside of a creative field on a daily basis have that a part-time creative or a weekend creative or a hobby, hobbyist creative, they they don't have that discipline. And I can give you an example and I'll bring it to sales because it's something that you probably are a lot better at than I am. And a lot of your listeners are probably, you know, sales people, but they're also service people and. And their role of providing a service to a client, the really good, you know, when people say, like, how do you measure a good agent versus a bad agent? And that, that's an age-old conversation that always its weird, ugly head every once in a while. My response to that is a really good real estate agent is able to make decisions based upon what is best for their client and not what's in their own best interest. That's it, just really simple for me. And I think for a creative person, the same discipline and the same will takes place. What makes a person a good creative counterpart is somebody who could make decisions around creative work that's in the best interest of the result. And the difference between someone like, like me or everybody here at Thousand Watt or any, any full-time creative versus the folks who are trying to do it for themselves is that they're not measuring their work against the discipline that I just described. Because the only interest that I have in what I write and what I design and what I create is how effective is this going to be versus another idea or another design or another set of words that could, in fact, be more effective. That has nothing to do with what I wrote and taking pride in my words or my design or my concept. I'm not married to any of that. I'm married to one thing only, which is is this going to really work and is it going to produce the desired effect and result that the campaign is meant to do? That's a discipline that part-time creatives don't have. They fall too much in love with what they wrote. So they push publish on, you know, metaphorically on whatever, like I'll publish this Facebook post. I'll, I'll tweet this tweet. I'll post this Instagram because it's marketing, but it could be bad marketing. Um, or it may it may get a result but it might not get the desired result and not in the you know the capacity or volume or depth that you would want it to get that's why you have a counterpart that's why and that's where agencies fall into play they provide that discipline of measuring the work against the result versus measuring the work against their ego and 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 this is this I'm going to take this conversation in an interesting twist that discipline is what helped us very clearly decide to drop a word that was pretty critical in our naming that defined the category that we were in. That was part of our brand name for the sake of creating more of a blue ocean opportunity for us to tell a different story in that same vein. I asked the question, because when I think about like, Real Estate Brokerage A and Real Estate Brokerage B and Real Estate Brokerage C. All their names, well, except for you guys, your Hawaii life, and I can think of a few others like Houlihan Lawrence um, would be another example or Michael Saunders and Company. But most real estate companies have the word real estate or realtor after their name. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a directory of real estate companies in any marketplace, You may see dozens or hundreds of blank, blank real estate, blank, blank real estate. Everybody's defining themselves by themselves, by their category. And not really taking that sort of critical eye towards differentiation and brand to make a creative decision to drop this word. That doesn't really even mean anything. Like what does real estate mean? What is real estate? It's just some piece of dirt somewhere. So, you know, You know, Sam Smith is somewhere.
1: The, yeah, it does no. to the service component or the reality. Like I say all the time, like don't get trapped in a commodity. Like, you know, I I think we we often spend way too much time focusing on the commodity of, of houses and like, you know, you gotta check the hot sheet you gotta look at what's going on in the market. You gotta and I'm not saying you don't have to know that. I, I think you absolutely do, but it's sort of like the menu and the you know, the menu's not going anywhere. Like there's always gonna be stuff on the menu but what where the focus really needs to be is on the people and that that's like it's like the hot sheet of people it's where you start you know like who are you serving today? Who is who's on the forefront of that of that day. Is are that is it a list of sellers probably is it a list of sellers and an active buyer or someone who's in the middle of a deal probably right, you right, know, right. that's where you have to start and then think about how further you know, you can how you can further their interests because that's the sort of the gift that keeps giving. That it's not that you don't you're not an expert, but I think we all get we all get sort of trapped in the the commodity part of it and like oh I know that house and I know this house and I know what happened there and it, and it's somehow often I think the humans are <laughs> are sort of lost in the mix, you know and and I think that's very dangerous. I, I, and I it it's also not very uh, productive i mean it's it's i think there's a, a business cost to that whereas if we really were to just focus on oh yeah all of the, the hundreds and thousands of people that we're responsible for uh that's got that's got
0: legs yeah there's a lot so of aspects oh i'll just finish if i can i'll just finish this thought
1: there's yeah. sort of
0: so many aspects to, to a brokerage business um it's a very complex business one in which I readily admit, like I have no clue how to run a brokerage, uh, and I never, um, I have never, and I've always been very conscious of never um, trying to cross that line and to tell brokers how to run a brokerage. Um, where I am always very comfortable being is helping brokers or tech vendors who is ever coming here to acquire our services to help them just tell the story of their brokerage better to whoever they're trying to tell it to, um, which is, you know, this is an interesting thought. When you speak, when I speak to a brokerage and I ask a broker, like, so what's important to you, like, what makes you your money? I often hear, well, you know, listings, um, the more listings we can own in the market, the better position we are. Um, I'll also hear agents. Agents are our customer. Um, the more agents we have, the better chance we have of getting more deals and increasing market share. And the, the more better agents we have, the greater opportunity we have to build a better reputation and you know recruit even more better agents. And that builds our business. So, listings and more agents are a brokerage's first and foremost, and second. You know, I don't know what the order is. It could be different for each brokerage. Um, rarely do i hear buyers buyers are the key to our business and yet 99 percent of every brokerage website on the internet well that's where websites are um focuses on buyers first search for right. homes yeah it's so like i don't get that i don't get that on so many levels um but what I do get is that in the grand scheme of all the things that brokerages and brokers have to focus on, or even agents, cause agents are business owners, they're running a business and they too are having the same websites, you know, search for homes. Um, when they're really looking for maybe something else or trying to tell a different story that the art of telling the story of why you exist and what you do, And why you should be thought of as something other than a real estate entity is oftentimes just not in their awareness zone. Like I get it. Um, And for me, it's the same thing. Sales is not, I don't do sales. I don't understand sales. Um,
1: And I, I, it's just frankly, I mean, in in all candor, I think a lot of the, the real estate industry doesn't either, you know, I, sales is a, is a very unique distinction that, uh, it's not quite. There are some salespeople, and I'm, and I think there is sales in our business, but it's a lot of what we do. I'm not sure is sales, right? It's 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 more service, service and service, right?
0: Right. It's so not sales. That's the misnomer on real estate. Like if any yeah. real estate company, name anyone, right, um, actually owned the inventory that they were selling, arguably. They could be, you know, blank, blank, a real estate because they own right. the real estate.
1: Right, be but very different.
0: They and they don't own it, so they're just. But they own something much more important, um, which you talked about. It's it's
1: the service,
0: it's the, the benefits, it's the it's the connectivity that companies and agents have within a marketplace that can help people solve big problems. I know I bought enough homes in my life to know that, um, a good agent is worth every dime you pay. Them. Um, yeah. whether you're on the, the listing side or you're on the buying side, paying a little more than you, you thought you'd, you'd wanted to. But like when the deal goes right and everything goes right, it, it was worth the money. Um, and they didn't, you know, maybe they're selling themselves, but then they're selling their service, but it's, it's not sales. It's, it's almost well, the
1: last, the last property that I sold I I overpaid my agent I, I, I paid them more than they asked for for a host of reasons but it was and it was I wasn't taking a referral or any of that it was literally because you know I wanted a certain thing done in a certain way and I navigated it that way and I was super candid about it and it worked brilliantly I mean I think right. um, wow. I, mean, I was in a hurry and it was really it was really great I, mean, I agree a thousand percent I had a client years ago who was a, he made his entire career, he's an interesting guy, a young guy, sold a real estate brokerage in California. but He built his whole career from door knocking. He said he never worked with buyers. He only took listings. And all he ever did to prospect was he had like a three-page brochure and he would door knock and he said, literally all I would say is, I'd, I'd just like to leave some information, some real estate information behind for you. And then he would go on to the next house. And like people would either engage him or they would call him later because he was such. It was such a takeaway. It was such a soft sell, and he built this big firm and sold it and sort of. Uh, and now he's like, you know, he has investment property. But anyway, we were doing. We were in the middle of a transaction. It was the first time I ever anyone's ever made this point to me. And this is you know, uh, over a decade ago. But I volunteered it probably stupidly. I I just expected that he would want a referral of the commission on the buy side. And, you know, we've been working together for a while and we were kind of finally narrowing down this piece of land he was going to buy. And I said, are you are you expecting a referral? Do you you want to just, you know, take a credit or how do you want to do it? He said, no, I don't. I don't. I want you working for your money.
0: Hmm. And
1: I I thought, oh, wow. (laughs) And, And it was so interesting because it's sort of like like. When a buyer, when you sign a buyer up, like, you know, buyer agreements are not that common. I think, you know, obviously listing agreements are, but they're increasingly people are using buyer agreements. There's no money that's exchanged, but when you sign one, it's like, you kind of get like, ooh, oh, I have a client now. Like, I got to go to work. That's kind of how I felt. It was like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm, yeah. All right. I'm working. You know, it was very powerful and and it was obviously a great acknowledgement, but I totally agree. I think that it's, you know, like I taught a, uh, a negotiation class yesterday for a group of agents we run this curriculum and we looked at we were looking at the just the standard hawaii purchase contract there are 58 different negotiable points to that contract just the contract alone when people pack in all sorts of stuff on top of it and around it and you know you could think of all kinds of things like i maybe i want to lease back or maybe i want to do you know x pick one an exchange or whatever But just the standard contract has 58 different negotiable points. And that's just the logistics, right? There's all of this humanity and all of this emotion and all of this personal world to navigate that is among the most important part of any negotiation process because without that context, without that trust, and without that rapport, you've got nothing. And so, you know, think about what other industry do you have to really coach and share the war. So, I mean, maybe maybe they all do, but it's it's a it's a very complex sort of sphere of consideration for like okay, we have first we have to establish what are these you know ease of communication and the uh, you know, the emotional considerations and the, the level of trust and the privacy and all, you know all of that and then get into this massively complex logistical you know consideration and people like you know, physically moving where they live. And it's, it is a, it is a unique industry in that regard. It's like, it's particularly complex. So yeah, there's a lot to it.
0: Yeah, the mechanics, the mechanics of of it is really best left to the professionals who have been doing it their whole career. I mean, it's, it's, when I think about just even listening to you talk, it seems so daunting to me. Like it makes what I do so easy to me versus what an agent has to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I oftentimes think that I kind of see it today a little bit. There's sort of this general sense that even real estate agents, younger ones, kind of take themselves for, they don't give themselves enough credit for sure. the role that they play. I was listening for to a sure. really good podcast this morning with Brad Inman and Bill Lublin. Um I'm, I might have been recorded earlier in the week, but uh they were talking about how this one about how one agent referred to agents as a luxury versus a necessity. And I'm like, "Really? Like is that sort of the the trend these days is to just not value yourself as much as you should be valued?" Um because if you start Wait, what do to you value mean? yourself they were referring to like, themselves as a, as a Yeah, they were referring to themselves. Yeah, like this realtor was referring to real estate agents as I guess the grand thought there is like you know, you know, we should we need to view ourselves as more of a luxury than a necessity. Like people don't necessarily need a realtor anymore, but if one hires a realtor, they're like treating themselves to something, which is like total bullshit. Um, I agree.
1: I think that's crazy. Like they're buying into and, and into also this low so dangerous.
0: Yeah, because like you get enough people thinking that way, you put that energy out into the world, and then people start. I mean, the worst thing that you could ever have happen is for people to actually start believing that they can do it all themselves. Um, yeah. Because a, it would be dangerous for them to do that. I remember a long time ago, this guy Donald Passman, he was a lawyer this is when I was in the music industry managing and doing um, PR and management for bands. Um, this guy, Donald Passman wrote this book that essentially I forget the title it's home in my library, but um, he really, it, it was kind of like Simon Sinek's start with why in a sense, like this was the start with why of negotiating contracts in the music business. He broke it down really simply. And at the end of his book, You could almost walk away thinking I can negotiate my own record deal. And it got dangerous because like client, young bands who I was managing had read the book and I could hear it in their voice. They were already second guessing my advice. They were second guessing the lawyer's advice. They thought that they could do it themselves. Um, it's not that simple. You know, Matt, it was, it was, there was an element in that story. You were talking about that agent who went door knocking and built this fabulous business from just door knocking and having a three page brochure.
1: Right.
0: And it made me think, why don't more agents just go that simple? Like, have, we not totally complicated agents lives with the 5,000 things that they should be doing that are not proven, not tested require a level of expertise that nobody's telling anybody about (laughs) when the reality is that building a real estate business should not be that complex. Like doing a good job, that's always hard, but like the mechanics of like how to, how to get started and how to do it. I mean, my son became a realtor and did it for a few years. So like, you know, I didn't outfit him with every tool, every technology, every social media, this and that. It was think, go- yeah, door like, knocking,
1: right? It's like Louis C.K. Like we're we're going back to you know carrying a donkey with pots pots on the side and like <laughs> clanking along. And I think that maybe we need that. You know, maybe we need to go back to just just straight up uh, super simple. Because you're exactly you nailed it. I mean, and in, in a weird way, we're I think Hawaii life is going through that whole identity crisis right now, and that uh, we solved a lot of problems that existed. Uh, and, you know, like agents shouldn't be having to learn how to code HTML or deal with SEO or like figure out a, a certain, what kind of platforms or on and on and on. And that sort of cheese has moved. The industry has changed. I think, you know, like you said, search is just ubiquitous. Uh, and And we're in that same, you know, I drew a sort of a classic sine wave on a board to articulate this to everybody recently. and It's like, look, when we started, we had nothing, right? We had no listings and we went out and got buyers. And so, yeah, we were a buyer search sort of portal and we were the, one of the first to, if not the first, to sort of aggregate all of the MLS feeds in Hawaii and, and show everything very transparently and on and on and on. Well, now, if you go and do that search, you're going to find like 50,000 different sites to do that. And it's like it's, I'm not saying it's not valuable, or that we don't do it in a certain way, or that we don't do it well. But what's also happened is that, and in, in the meantime, we've become the top listing firm in the state of Hawaii. Yet we don't really act like it. Like we don't have like there's only so many pixels, you know what I mean? And we don't have a lot of pixels dedicated to the completely legitimate client that that has come to us and said, you know, I'm, I want to hire you to sell my house. Now I can. I can explain to them that what you really want is us to expose it to as many people as possible and go out and get a buyer for it. And they can get that, but at the same time, it's like you have to feature it. You have to tell a story. You have to, you have to those. You know, that's that's the product, right? So you have to put the product on the shelf, and we're sort of not doing that very well. And I think, and at the same level, like you said, listings and agents, we're we're working on this. We're doing it in other ways, but we also like as we've grown and we've gotten you know, more and more people who trusted us with their careers and their livelihoods and these brokers and agents, we also aren't really in a way doing quite right by them in that regard where they, their stories need to be woven in better. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're supplementing it with other things. Like there's a ton of other things that we're kind of, in, in lieu of, you know, going through a giant redesign that we're filling in the blanks with that I think are valuable. But it's, that's the kind of cultural identity that I see us going through and I wonder if that's – I mean, I know the cheese has moved, meaning like search is ubiquitous and it's sort of a utility and it's like, yeah, clearly not going away. And so that's a radical change. But it just feels like, you know, even like Bob Hoffman's rant, you know, like get over the, the quote, digital, you know, bullshit, frankly. which it, it, There's so much of that that it's just like – it just preys on the industry. Like, like it's got its proboscis so deep that, yeah. you know, it's like sucking the blood out. Like, uh, you know, you should be doing blah, blah, blah. And here's the new five greatest apps you should download. And like, it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, how about you just pick up the phone and call a client? You know I mean? It, it, it's an interesting spin, but it, I, I definitely see it happening.
0: Well, if I can, let me sort of break it down in, in your terms, because I think this is important. I think it's very important. Um, If you've, if you've, if by whatever measure that you've gone through to get to a point where you say you own the listings, you're the number one listing company in Hawaii. um, That's great that you've accomplished that. We all know that you can't possess, it's very hard to possess anything forever. Because there is no forever, right? Right. But here's the thing, like, if you own this thing, but don't try to take possession of it and tell the story around it, then it's more fleeting than you realize because it's so much easier um, for someone else to take ownership and not necessarily even have to prove it. Cause we've all learned like it's so easy to just write, I mean, an agent could become an agent today and on Monday put out a website with words like I'm the number one trusted agent. Oh, in there's my a market. firm in
1: our market. There's a firm in our market that their rap like their rap is we're we're the leading, we're the only luxury firm in the market and we're the leading luxury firm in the market. And it's like, I don't even know what that means. And they just, it's just ubiquitous. They just say it; it's everywhere. You know, like we're the leading luxury firm in the market. We were the only of the top firms in the state. We're the only luxury firm. It's like how? what? Like by, what does that mean?
0: (laughs) It's just like a great
1: declaration. Like I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the number one best super realtor.
0: You know, you know where, you know why it's all so meaningless. Um, And I'll let your listeners in on a little secret. Never once in all the years that I have been with my wife and have, and I buy and sell a lot of real estate, I have never rolled over in the morning after I woke up thinking today's the day that we're going to go buy another piece of real estate, we need to find the number one agent in the market. Right. that thought never occurs to me and it doesn't occur to anybody this goes back to something we were talking about early on is that real estate has a tendency to throw big words out and yell at people and talk at people but they don't ever take the time to write the words out loud that people think inside their mind because when you can do that this is what ogilvy was talking about and if, if anybody's interested if they're a true student of like the art form of marketing to go and research Bill Burnbeck, who may be the world's greatest copywriter of all time. Um, and I won't, I won't let in on any of the work he's done, but when you see, when you actually compare the ads that Ogilvy wrote to, to the ads that Burnbeck wrote, you will know Burnbeck inside out. You will recognize his writing and his work through the 1940s, 1950s, the greatest dad writer ever. At what he was capable of doing was getting inside of the mind of the customer and writing words that made people go, wow, that's what I was thinking. It, it was perception. So in your case, here's the thing. Somebody's out there going, I'm the leading this, I'm the leading that, I'm the number one this, I'm the number one that. Um, they can do that all day long. You actually are it. And I wouldn't recommend that you write that.
1: Yeah. But
0: there's something magical about what you do, I'm sure, that has gotten you to this place. What I what if I were Hawaii Life, I would try to brand my listing process because very few brokerages actually brand this process of listing. You know, maybe it's Somewhere inside of a listing presentation, across like 50 slides, there may be, you know, a story around what in, what the company does or what the agent does. But when I say build a brand around it, market, market that process to a point where when you when somebody thinks of listing a home, they're not calling one of your agents and asking your agents to walk them through a listing presentation. They're calling your agents because they're already bought into what Hawaii Life does and they just want to buy that. Right. If you can get, and and that's my challenge for any brokerage, if you really want to be a brand, or my challenge to any agent, if if you're really a brand, then you don't need to sell anymore. You're called to the table and just maybe asked how much is it going to cost to hire you. Um, Until that can happen, until people know inside and out what it is that you do that's special that no one else does and values it so much that you don't have to prove it anymore to them, you just simply need to give them a quote, then you really got something so um, it 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 would be wise for you or anybody to just simply think about what is it that I really own in the marketplace and then look at your like your marketing so if yeah. you're a great listing agent, why in the world do you have a search for real estate on your website? Right. Now the answer right. could be, because there is no other website in my market where you can search for homes, so I want to be the one and only. Yeah. But I mean, I ran a search for because I was doing some research, Matt, a couple of weeks ago, um, for a brokerage project, and I typed in homes for sale in their market. I got two million five hundred thousand results. <laughs> so you know, when you when you count up all of the IDX pages. And all of the stealth sites and squeeze sites, whatever the the bullshit term is for fake shit that people do to try to fool people, bait and switch sites, there's two million of them, yeah, the world doesn't need two million five hundred and one search sites right um wouldn't it make sense to just do something different but not willy nilly different? Do something that is like that taps you know into what you do that's special? Um, I think that's just, that's sort of the art of marketing, the art of creativity, the discipline of it is just even the the thought process to be able, it's not outside the box thinking, I get no, really yeah. tired of when people say, man, you're so outside the box. What box? There's how no about, box.
1: How about, yeah, yeah. Or maybe let's, let's, let's own the box first, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, like, like no box. Like, yeah, know the box. Um, right. So, and
1: I, I I think that's what we're doing. I mean, I, I I like to believe that I think we're in that process of of going back to you know telling our story better and really expressing out you know who we are and and what what those processes are like and what it's like living here and our world. I I, I think that's that's all the direction that we're headed in, and it's you know it's sort of easier said than done. And we've we've it's past due for us and. Like I say, we've been layering on other stuff that I think has a ton of value, um, but now it's it really has been time to kind of uh, reset our our URL, which is definitely not the only expression of you know, Hawaii life, but uh, but that's that's sort of on the agenda.
0: Um, well, the important thing is yeah, the um, cheese is always moving; it, the cheese is never standing still. Arguably, real estate went after some weird piece of cheese and it's still doing that. That it 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 shouldn't even be going after. It's chasing the wrong cheese. Um and I mean just I've kind of voiced this before, but I never really understood why real estate brokerages even had search websites. (laughs) Because their customer isn't the buyer. Their customer are agents. They should be building brand websites that sell agents on joining their company. And All the lead generation that a brokerage website should be acquiring are agents in their marketplace inquiring about joining the brokerage because of how cool and special that brokerage is. So, you know, I mean, people can take me to task on that. But like in my mind, a brokerage is not a consumer brand. They need to do things to create impressions on the consumer solely to help their agents in a capacity of like doing things for the agents that the agents can't do themselves,
1: but like
0: real estate typically like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, abandoned the role that it should be playing to run after a role. It didn't need to play. It bought into whatever. And they, and, and I guess the result of that is that they've left a lot of what they should be in disarray and disregard creating an opportunity to truly be disruptive or disrupted so like the whole argument around zillow disrupting brokerage because it's taken all the search that's crazy to me because brokerage was never in the search business but when you're in the service business so let me give you a case in point agents are now more loyal to zillow I don't mean to just choose Silo. There are other vendors who vend great products and do great things. But like my, my concern is, is that agents are building greater loyalty to, like when I talk to agents who are Boomtown clients, the way they talk about Boomtown is the way they should also be talking about their broker. Right. But since the broker has abandoned the things it should be doing for the agent. And running after the things that like Boomtown is doing, like trying to generate leads, but not doing it as well. They've kind of lost their way. So Matt, the good news is for you anyway, I mean, this is how you and I even got together because I reached out to you eight years ago or nine years ago because I was just so blown away by this beautiful thing in a sea of not so beautiful. And I didn't understand it because... Hawaii is just so far off the beaten track where like the word about Hawaii is, yeah, it's a great place, beautiful energy, but we're like 20 years behind everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that how could the most progressive, most modern, most forward thinking, most brand oriented, and I'm not trying to just kiss your ass, but you know, this is the truth. Like it's why I called you 10 years ago. How did, what was going on over there that made you guys, do something nobody else was doing. Now, yes, you built a search website, but there wasn't any in your neck of the woods and you built the best one. So well, kudo for that. But like the fact that you're now rethinking yourself, that's part of your DNA.
1: Well, yeah. and it, yeah, and it's, it's certainly not fair to, to, to fill it down to just the search website either. I mean, that, that there's a ton of oh, creative know. work and a ton of other stuff that's gone I into, know. you know, what we've done. Yeah. But I think, I think some of it, I mean, I always say, uh, innovation sort of happens on the fringes, uh, and it, it and it we weren't like trying to be innovative necessarily. We we were, we were just we thought sort of following the market because our our clients weren't in the marketplace, and so we had to, we had to be online because that's where they were. Uh, and and like you said, you know that that cheese is always moving, um, and the expectations of, of especially now our our clients, our seller clients, is have changed. And so, and we're, we're moving with that change. Um,
0: But think about what you're saying, because this is really important. What you built, you built something because you had a finger on the pulse of a market and a need, you solved a problem. Yeah, this is, this is not happening in, I mean, it is happening. It's happening in places, but it's not in abundance it's when i think about like whenever there's a big conference in real estate um one one that calls a lot of agents to its stages um and you know days later agents leave full of fascination and excitement around all these things that they were told they should be doing they're not asking this simple question how does it help my client? Is mm-hmm. does is this the finger on the pulse? Of, the thing is, oh, how how is this going to help me? This right. is going to make me do this. This is going to make me be here. This is going to help me become, you know, more visu- vis- visible on social media. This is me, me, me. Right. They're not thinking, how is this going to solve problems for the marketplace? I right. think that that thinking that you applied 10 years ago led you in the right direction. People, Aren't really buying homes in and around Hawaii from Hawaii. You're receiving se- buyers from uh, the world All over. Like, how yeah, do they over. find anything? Yeah, they right. can't get. It's not like people are moving, you know, 12 miles away from where they live, like they do and even else. else.
1: Even even the basic stuff of like running the company, where you know we're separated by you know, hundreds of miles of water, and so you can't, you know, uh, people early on, and, and I don't quite get it so much, but sort of, you know, some old school sort of brokers, always, they were like, ah, how can you possibly manage all those agents and all those transactions and everything? And it's like, well, I mean, which one do you want to see? Because it's literally, it's paperless and it's all in my phone. And, you know, I had an agent at a Christie's conference yesterday ask what our year-to-date sales were. And I texted her response and she said, are you sure that's right? I said, I'm looking at the report on my phone. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Not only is it right; it's real time. Like it just went up, and so I mean that's I I literally have the ability to I can see the contract that you signed if you're in a deal on the Big Island uh, as soon as you sign it, like like in real time, and I can read it, see your signature and all that. And I think that scale and ability was another market need that we had to meet because we have these logistical challenges that it shows up like, oh, you guys are so innovative and it's paperless. And it's, well, no, I mean, it's not, we didn't set out to like go and be like, oh, we're going to take be next gen. We were just yeah. had to have a solution because you, you can't do the file cabinet with the two hole punch. And the like, I got to, let me go dig it out and read the checklist. Like those, you can't do that. It doesn't work because the otherwise you're not, you're not in business on another island or, or even frankly managing agents across the other side of the island it just doesn't work so that kind of stuff you know took over i think to you know to, to take us back to the the overarching theme of this this guest hosted podcast uh you know you mentioned conferences going back to the worst job even though like worst job isn't a business for us and we've never made a dime. In fact, when we started we, we were like, oh, we'll give all the proceeds to charity and then we stopped saying that because we felt totally inauthentic because there were never
0: any proceeds. There were no proceeds.
1: Um, <laughs> right. And so um so but it's weird because I think often the play at a lot of those conferences is also sort of the same thing that these these kind of adjacent industries if they are industries but adjacent, whatever's feed off of, which is that that vanity and that narcissism uh and and it, it, there's some misguided stuff to that, maybe it's you know vendors and whatever else, but you know that was was never what we were about this is zero what we were trying to accomplish in fact so much that we we really have made an extreme effort to get Hawaii life away from the workshop because you know the whole point was to bring the, the best of the best in terms of those you know, speakers and content and then share it. Right. And, and frankly, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a rising tide raises all ships and, and the whole like straighten all the product on the shelf, which is, which is true, but it, it only started because of the cost. I mean, we, we were, it was just kind of being selfish. Like we knew there's nothing proprietary, you know, proprietary like, to what Mark Davidson says. Like, or, or pick a speaker, Bob Hoffman. I mean, Bob's given. You can go look on YouTube and you know hear what he has to say. So we thought, hey, let's get everyone in here and and you know spread the love. And so it it's interesting because it's, I mean, I don't want to call it the unconference, but it's like we're it, it's is a it's sort of easier said than done. I mean, it's our sixth year doing it, so we've admittedly gotten a little bit better at it and. Uh, focusing on on the real kind of heady content stuff instead of, um, you know, packing it with all of of the rampant, you know, just stuff that's out there, just chronic. I mean, I know I don't have to tell you, but, like, if I have to have one more conversation about, you know, lead conversion or lead generation or, like, the latest apps that you should use or Slack or, like, any of it, it's just... I don't know why I find it so painful, but to me, that's, that's not what is going to leave me feeling moved and inspired and like really to go out and, um, have a better business. You know, I don't, I don't, that doesn't light me up and, and maybe I'm just weird, but I think that we're, we're onto something and it's hard to really define, you know, what that something is, but, um, we've got a little bit of a following and people are, you know, people are coming and workshop definitely does have sort of a life of its own, which I love. And it's, and it's taken its own, um, direction. Like today I just found out that, uh, I don't know if it'll be announced by the time this podcast, you know, is released, but, uh, Michaela O'Connor Abrams from dwell is coming back and we might have the opportunity to have her talk be a continuing education unit for designers and architects. Which is so cool. Like I love that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, like, now it's for designers and architects, and it's 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 what what they need and what their stuff's about. And I think there's so many parallels and overlays that we all get to benefit from that. And even if we don't have it, you know, if that continuing education component isn't there, her her talk is it's just. I mean, she's one of the smartest people I know. She's brilliant, and so. I'm thrilled to to have that. And I think that's exactly the kind of like follow-up and life of its own part that I just, you know, it, it really lights me up. I hope it lights other people up, but
0: I think we're onto something anyway. And you are, oh, you a, definitely you know, are. You're a huge you part def- of
1: that.
0: Well, you definitely are. I mean, um, I kind of like when I think about our space, when I think about the term the real estate industry, which often gets bandied about there's really like two industries where there's two segments of the industry. There's, um, and I, I don't know if I have the words to define it exactly, but on one hand you've got a very small, but very sort of significant expressive minority of people who have created this sort of vocal industry around the real estate industry they talk about raising the bar. We have to make the industry better. And then there's also part of that conversation is social, social, social. And, you know, they're they're dressed up in cheerleader outfits and they're on stage dancing around, spouting the latest, you know, social app that you can join, join me and watch me videotape myself and take pictures of myself. And that's a very powerful and it's very World's Fair-like. And I think that there's that serves a purpose because it gets people excited about the world and it gets them excited about, you know, innovation. And th- there's not a lot of context. There's just, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. And this is where the world is moving. And, you know, there's not a lot of really clear instruction. It's more fascination. Um, hmm. And I, I think it's generally all good and positive. The The problem is it's not their fault. The problem is that the participants who go there don't weigh and measure what they're hearing against what I would call their profession. And that's, that's the other category. The other category is this very silent majority of men and women who are in the real estate profession. They're not in the industry. They don't read in the news or risk media or T3, Swanepoel. Like these are all good things but they don't read any of that they just get up in the morning they make breakfast for their you know spouses and kids or themselves and they go to work and they help people buy and sell houses and then they come home at the end of the day go to the gym do a little bit of more work and go to sleep and that's all they know and they knock yeah. on doors they have very simple tools and they right. get shit done those people are the people that you are going after it's a majority, but since they're not tapped in, they're not all coming at once. It's a very slow, slow build, trying to help those people create a better profession for themselves. And but that's that's what Hawaii life. When I think about like, when I think about like, because Katie and I have had very great, long, deep conversations about the work that she does and the focus that she has on agents. Like if I had to classify Hawaii life as a brokerage beyond the brand machine that you are and the great spokespeople that you are for Hawaii, you know, the state, um, you really help agents build better professions and through the things that you do, um, whether it's the, the training, whether it's the coaching, whether it's grouping the right agents in the right office together so they feed off each other. Or whether it's even creating this expensive endeavor called workshop where you're bringing people, spirited people in from around the world to come and speak to help people build a better profession. That's what you guys are about.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: It's a a slower, right? It's a slower, because it's it's not as exciting as like the latest and greatest, you know, circus that is the other part of the industry
1: it's definitely turtle into the race and kind of, you know, that, that real earnest and some, like I say, sometimes naive kind of like, Hey, this guy's really bright and he's having, you know, he's getting good results and check out what, you know, what, what this data is and let's, let's plug it in and Hey everybody, just let's all listen to this. And so it's a little more longer form and a little, little you know, in, more in depth. And I think too, the, the, the Hawaii context is, is really powerful. I mean, we touched on that a little bit with Ferrara, Like, we're bringing more and more of that in and, and trying to, you know, imbue a sense of place not just into the the workshop itself, but also into our practice. And I think, you know, to the degree that everyone can take that home with them and really apply it, is powerful. And that's that's, you know, incredibly enrolling and sweet for me because it it it's meaningful, you know. And I and I think, for even for the people who are visiting, uh, you know, from the West Coast. They they get a, a, a great sort of takeaway from that, and they, they get to the benefit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm to me, I, I, it's sort of selfish. Like, yeah. I, I it's the conference that I want to attend, you know, uh, and I, and I, I just I'm always, you know, anytime you're in production, it's like there's some self doubt that goes along with it. But I I hope that other people, know. you know, really really appreciate it, <laughs> and I think people do.
0: Well, they do, and I will maybe articulate that appreciation in my own way. Um, I was invited to come and speak at your first event. And That's right. <laughs> you know the island. anguish, right, on the big island, and you know the anguish I go through um, when it comes time to speaking. I don't. In I enjoy the result of a talk that if at the end of anything I say, if somebody can take something and it actually helps their profession and helps their career, that's a great benefit, but there's a lot of anxiety and anguish for me leading up to it. It's like you, I go into it with complete self-doubt. It's a was a creative. I it's mean, it's a, it's an, you see, you've been in my hotel room yes, at I events have. where I'm working all night long, trying to get every word right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's what Ogilvy talked about. It's that moment of truth where yep. at the end of the day, when you open your mouth and say something, it better be good. Cause if yep. it's not good, you have a responsibility to the people who are attending to them. <laughs> so, no like,
1: pressure, no pressure,
0: <laughs> no pressure. But you know, man, when I attended your event and I attended it, I didn't just show, well, before I spoke, I had to walk around outside and walk off my stress. But for the most part, I sat in on everything else. Um, And I I was there with my wife on the big Island at the four seasons. Right. And I'm not at the pool. I'm inside of your event. Um, It did something to me spiritually that had, that never happened at any other event. Um, Hmm. I'm not going to say that that's, any better. Cause like when I attend, you know, I think of other events that I've attended, um, I come away with a lot of information that's really important to me on another level, but I had never been spiritually moved. And what that did for me, especially the timing, so it's at the end of the year, you're kind of like slowing down a little bit, but you're really thinking about the next year. Yeah. And we all want our next year to be just slightly better than the year before. And I'm pretty convinced that a new tool or a new application or devoting another 30 minutes to yet another new social media that's going to be completely experimental doesn't really stand a very good chance of helping me make a better year, but getting spiritually right, getting my mind centered around the things that are important to build a profession. So I got that from Hawaii Life Workshop 1. I got that from number two when I went. I got that from number three when I went. I got it from
1: last year. I missed year.
0: it at number four. I was sick yep. during number four and missed it. But I got it from last year and um I don't go to many events. I'm not speaking at your event. I'm just going to attend. Um yep. I feel like I just need to plug in and um you so you've created that for real estate. Um And uh, I think it's like, you know, my wife always talks about balance. Um, I've become quite fanatical in my workout and my diet. um, And she's always stressing that part of that fanaticism needs to include balance. Uh, You can't ever be completely one-sided. So I think in, in this discussion, like for all the conferences that people go to, where they're connecting and socializing and meeting up with their friends and going out and having a great time in some great city. Like it's important to balance yourself with like a professional event where you get completely centered. And, um, that's sort of like to the greater conversation we have about creativity and brand and marketing and storytelling. Like this is a big part of what Hawaii life brand is. This is a major branding effort. So, you know, like the expense that it is, it's a marketing expense because this is you're telling the Hawaii life story in yet another way, um, mm. right? And yeah, I mean,
1: I, ca- I kind of chalk it up to like going to the conference that we want to attend. But you're right. I mean, it is. It, I guess it, it does have that that sort of downstream, uh, you know, impact. And there's there's zero doubt. I think for everybody, it is all of us. I mean, I I know that for. You know, for our crew, for our employees, for the people that go, uh, it is a it is a, a sort of a global reset, and it and it it's a, it's our time to like take a breath and consider and you know focus and and like and you know doing it in a really great setting where you're being served and things are you know cared for and you have you know very cooperative collaborative sponsors who yeah. are like. Doing a meal yeah. and who aren't who aren't I'm mean, sure they're all they're all in business. They want to do business, but they're not like it's not like the hook. Like hey, get over here and sign up for my blah blah blah. It's way more like <laughs> hey, check out this cool <laughs> thing. You know, um, you know what I mean. It's like i we tweeted are... away with the whole like vendor kind of like awkward dude standing at a table waiting for you to come up to talk to him. It's much more. I, did that.
0: But, I like that and I lot. think what's
1: what I love too is that a lot of our former sponsors over the years are now like making it a retreat and coming back with their whole cruise. Like, you know, it's so cool to see that like they're bringing and their team and making it a retreat. And like, so we're, it's kind of like, we're all hanging out together. And that part, I just, that, that I really adore because that, that just furthers the whole thing. And then the attendees make it like last year was such an example where uh, we were really low in, in attendance. And you remember, I was like, Oh God, that was going to come. This is stressful. And then, we had the event, and it was so cool. The people made it so awesome because it was like every conversation in the hall, and, and you know, on the beach, and wherever it was just so righteous that it, I, I don't want to do it any other way. I you mean, know, it's almost like, man, I'm to the point where it's like, if, hey, if a hundred
0: people show up,
1: awesome. Like, it's like great. Let's figure that out, you know.
0: So, you know, you ask any any major rock band, what is the greatest environment to play in? they will tell you a bar. Yeah. There is something really special. I mean, you could play coliseums and massive stages, and it's a, quite a rush. I've never played, I've never played anything quite that big or anywhere near that big, but I've been backstage. I've been on a stage while a major band is playing, looking out and with their point of view. Yeah, It's a considerable rush but it doesn't come close to, like, being in a packed bar with 50, yeah. 60, 100, 200 people. And just hang out with I would just say, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, you've got this added advantage of the fact that it's in Hawaii. And maybe it's an advantage, maybe it's a disadvantage because Hawaii's kind of far away, especially in December. Sure. It could be an ordeal for some. But I think if people people need to realize that, like, The setting and the location, it's really a bonus. It's what's going on, right, for two days inside these rooms. You know, your agents are very lucky because if they were here in the States and they got caught up in the conference fervor, and there's quite a conference fervor, Mm -hmm. um, they'd be bouncing around, you know, from NAR to you know, an event in March, an event in April and three events in May and an event in June and one in July and one in August. And right. You right, know, right. there are a lot of, yeah. there are different shades of the same color. Um, we, we definitely have a get, benefit about like
1: singularity.
0: Yeah. Because they're going to get skills that are going to help them with their profession. Right. And I think that is a bigger deal than coming and getting more connected with an industry that's more concerned with, I don't, I don't want to say it the wrong way because I don't want to discount the value that it brings. But you know, it's like, dude, if you go to the world, like i went to the world's fair with my parents in, in New York in the sixties. And if I left with all that imagery in my head of what they were presenting the world's going to be one day, but yeah. like thought that I'm going to do away, my father should do away with his, you know, car because like we're going to get a <laughs> flying car next year. Like th- there's a level yeah. of non-reality that, and it's not the conference's fault. It's really attendees that get too caught up in stuff yeah. and don't stop and think. Your attendees and your conference, you don't put you've taken a responsibility to not put your audience into a place where they get too lost. Um, I think it's great to get lost. I love getting lost too. And I love to get lost in futuristic stuff and right. And, and the, what if and innovation, but like, how do you apply that to tomorrow? Well, um, and I think
1: having it also having it be grounded, right? So you, you can, you can have both, but as long as it's inside of the context and if that context is there and the, the sort of ground wire is there and the realism and the like, hey everybody, let's take a breath, then then it's cool. You know, then it's like, oh okay, I that's a someday maybe future. You know, we're, or that's a possibility. Instead of like that radicalized kind of like, oh my God, you know, this is what's going on.
0: You know, that that's a very
1: different interpretation. And I, I you know, yeah. two years ago we had uh, Neil Hannes, who was at the time the the he's on our on our board of the Hawaiian Island Land Trust and he you know, he opened and he shared about the land trust and he he there's a, a Hawaiian saying that I I won't say it because I don't speak Hawaiian and I don't want to picture it. But the translation is that we are who we are because of the land. And, you know, and he he kind of took that further, saying that, like, you know, this place gives you who you are, you know, you're you're impacted by. Uh, what time the sun comes up and what time it sets and what way the wind's blowing and whether or not it's raining and, you know, what's going on in the air. And, and it had, it was, it was he was like leading, he was a kickoff speaker, right? So it set, it set the tone in such a way that was like,
0: hmm. for
1: me anyway, it was so powerful to get that, like, you know, wherever you came from, you're here now. And this place is giving you who you are literally and very real in a very real sense and it was like that ground wire just kind of stuck through everything that we've we went and we had a ton of it was sort of like a ted kind wow. of i mean that year it was like speaker 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 it was just a lot of sort of a frenzied thing but it was so smooth and so grounded and so like uh available is best way to put it that it didn't have that kind of radical crazy you know the world's changing frenetic pace it was like in some way, kind of a calming, a calming context to then integrate all this information in. And like any event, you know, you pick and choose, and you have this stuff that really resonates with you and that, that you want to kind of dive deeper into, and there's some stuff that you, you just kind of have a question mark floating over your head, and that's fine. Um, but it, it, that context is so decisive, you know. It really does set the tone.
0: Yeah, you need anyway. to... I, you you need that good balance because I think real estate, real estate as, as a thing, um, it needs fascination. It needs excitement. It needs grand possibilities because it's such a, I it's not that it's a hard industry. It's an industry that's often taken for granted. It doesn't get the respect it should get. Um, for whatever the reasons are. But I, I think like the benefit to a lot of the like mainland conferences throughout the year, give agents a, a charge and elect like an electricity an electrical charge. That's really important because it, it makes you excited about the industry that you're in. Um, and it makes you feel good about yourself. And it's, yeah. it's important because I think, you know, if I put myself into the, into the, and I kind of did, you know, my son, Ryan, my oldest son who got his license and spent two, three years in orange County trying to become, you know, a successful real estate agent. I, I understand deeply the reality of the work and how you're treated by clients and other agents. It's, it's hard. It, Realtors need an eight and brokers need the, the big tent show that is some of these other events, but mm. it also needs the other side of it, which yeah. is the calming, soothing, get your head straight. So like three weeks after the event, you don't fall back into the abyss of what reality is because I think a workshop type event, creates a different reality in your head that lasts for a lot longer than the days that you're there or the weeks that follow it's it has a longer impression um and so it's you totally serve a purpose i you know matt like when when you started doing this it was really important that you did this for your agents that you bring something to hawaii to your agents, but you were also very clear about any agents and any broker in Hawaii, um, yeah. which is I know this to be very genuine to you, and and I'll, I'll, I want to tell a story because I will never forget this. It's had an impact on me, um, and it's made me so convinced um, of your true blueness. But I was with you in Maui. It was after. Number three, um, I stayed an extra day or two just to sort of hang around with you and your wife and my wife and just get to spend a little bit of personal time. And I don't know how it ended up, which is you and me uh, tooling around some little town in Maui. And we went to visit Billy Billy. Um, because he's a friend of yours. And I met him a year before uh, or two years before. Billy Jalbert, right, right. Yeah, Billy Jalbert. But during that meeting, you gave him a listing, and I remember. Yeah, I, I
1: remember we were at a clothing store, right? We were at some clothing store in Paia, and and
0: yeah, yeah. And I kept asking the, you, like, yeah, why would you do that? Like, because and you said to me, because the listing he'd better serve it than I would. Um, and so I don't want to embarrass you too much and, and go not into at all, further no, detail. I, but like, I don't know too many real estate people who would take a, a listing of that magnitude and give it to somebody else cause they do a better job at it. But it really helped me understand ultimately like what the motive is and yeah. the motive is to spread good, a goodness to all agents in Hawaii. So that it's not just your agents it's who, whoever comes, but right. it's to share it's to share something special. So for two or three days inside of your event, there's no competition. You're not trying to recruit somebody else's agents.
1: Totally, totally true. Yeah, totally. True. Um,
0: I mean, I've even. I mean, the gift that you know Sherry Chris has gotten from being able to attend and bring recruits and 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 bring somebody into the Better Homes and Gardens world through a Hawaii Life event—it's truly unique. Um, yeah, I think it's important that people know that because. That is in the ether and you don't see it, and you don't feel it, but it's a positive energy that you won't get at another event. Um And I like it. And I'm not in the real estate business. I'm in the creative services business. And yet, right. I want to feed but, off that too.
1: And it's always one of the challenges, you know, I mean, it's it's uh because... Uh, it's a it's a recruitment heavy industry, and frankly, Oahu is a is a recruitment heavy market. I mean, everything is built around recruitment, so it's sort of harder for us to tell a story about why we're and, and invite people, which is fine. I mean, I get it. I I don't have to like you know reinvent the whole wheel. I'm, I'm you know it, it, it's fine, but but at the same time, it's like I I wouldn't want people to miss out on. A pretty incredible group of people who were coming to share their, you know, their Manalo, their 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 wisdom. Uh, I wouldn't either. Uh, I know, and and
0: I hope you know,
1: I hope people get that because I think we've it's we've got an increasingly awesome lineup this year that I'm just like spiked on. I mean, it's going to be a, a ton of fun. We're going to have some pretty
0: deep dive conversations as we always do, you know. So, it's all good. Having produced an event. For myself, my company, you know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> and having produced other events, I, I can only, you know, I know, like what it takes to put together great speakers. They're hard to come by. Like it's easy to, especially in real estate. Everybody wants to be a speaker. Everybody's a thought leader. Everybody's got something to say. Everybody wants to be on stage for their fifteen or twenty minutes, if they could put it at the end of their signature file and boast about it and, and use it somehow some way like whatever. Um but the one thing I can be sure of is when I come to your event, everybody on that stage, I can I feel like I can trust what they're telling me. Because this has been their expertise. Like they're not part timers, they're not dabblers. Yeah. Um yeah it's legit. So so that's your gift to the industry I think it's great um, and I, 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 I thank you for I don't know if this conversation is ending or not but I appreciate I love it.
1: that we're we're at like we're probably like an hour and 20 minutes in and it feels like we've been talking for five minutes
0: but <laughs> <it's> <laughs> long long-form
1: podcasting <laughs> and don't forget you uh, you're not totally Free from speaking because you are a judge during the try tell sessions, so you got to bring your and you're you're kind of taking the Bob Hoffman spot, so you got to bring all of your uh, that's
0: your critical thinking,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have to swear a little bit and you have to well, from know, New know, York, so that's complain about social media, you know.
0: You know, whenever I hear about like, uh, oh, we did a session on negotiation, I'm thinking all you need to do is send somebody to New York for like a week and they'll learn negotiation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, or or get a Honolulu cabbie to take a credit card. That's a that's a negotiation class in itself.
0: Oh, I like your solution to that. You know, I was in Vegas the other day, and I was waiting to get into a cab that wouldn't take a credit card to do your thing. But everybody has a credit <laughs> card. I'm kind of bummed out. I didn't get to like the Matt Beal. Just
1: hang out, um, just like oh, yeah, I'm out. No. I got some work to do. i got to edit a document. Just go ahead and figure out your credit card machine. No problem.
0: Yeah, you get this thing figured right. out, and and I yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll just be back here because I know what
0: you're talking about. I've had that happen where they go, oh my credit card machine doesn't work. Oh, I'm like okay, yeah. well I got nowhere to go. I'll just sit here until you fix it. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so.
1: Alright, uh, man. Yeah, man. Let's wrap. Let's wrap so that we can say aloha to everyone. We can keep talking, but we at least have to cut the okay. cut the uh, the podcast. What's so. the
0: official What's the official sign off on the podcast? The
1: official sign off is Mahalo, Mark. You're awesome and Thousand Watt is awesome and thanks for being a part of the Worst Shot guest hosted podcast by yours truly the Hawaii Life Procast so mahalo
0: mahalo and and, uh, much love to everybody and see you all in December
1: I'm so psyched thanks man yeah you're welcome